Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Faculty and The Invasion. Make sure to bring your water bottle. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Everyone sounds very enthused to be here this week. Yeah. Basically had a uh, hurry up and do something before the show starts situation. Not necessarily by anybody but myself, but it's still annoying. Yeah, we just had our roof done a little while ago and insurance is not fessing up nearly as much money as they're supposed to be so it's that it's that kind of fun stuff i got a a buddy who's going through a thing right now where his roof did something like a year ago and so the insurance company had an option where they just like they, instead of giving him money, they just literally hired the contractor themselves. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, do that. That way you guys are fully responsible for everything and we don't have to worry about it if, if there's any problems in the future. Less than a year later, exact same problem calls up and they're trying to act like it's not related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 this is still the same problem. And they're like, well, you know, how, how, how do you know? And he's like, because it's the exact same thing happening again. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. it's just insurance it's just insurance companies man they're the uh, worst they are the worst did I ever tell you about the time I was on like the good end of this type of scenario though no like we had like a windstorm and roof was damaged and uh basically like I live in a semi so my roof is physically attached to my neighbor's roof and obviously they were they were in the same windstorm and received the same damage because they're all one roof. And we had the same insurance company. And I just called them and was like, there was a windstorm, my roof's damaged. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're not even sending somebody out to evaluate it. There's so many roofs damaged by that. We'll just cover it. Pay your deductible. We'll cover the rest. And then my neighbor, they, like, wouldn't pay for her half. <laughs> It's like, same insurance company, like, same damage, same day, same roof. And they're like, yeah, no problem. They're like, can you send us a picture of it so we have it for our records? I'm like, yeah. They're like, good enough. (laughs) So I'm like, this is easy. And she's like, no, it isn't. They were like, "Mm, you didn't get the uh, incidentals. Yeah, I don't know. I literally think we just got different people on the phone that day when we called in to file our claims. Somebody was really mad and didn't want to deal with her bullshit. Yeah. I've actually, to be honest, I've only ever had good luck with insurance companies, so I shouldn't complain. Oh, fuck you, Canada. Because <laughs> I... 
because one time I was in a car accident and I remember like going into the insurance company to meet with them and I had like I had like three numbers in my head like my ideal number of like this is how much they'll give me and I had like okay this is kind of what I expect and then I had like a lower number where I'm like if they offer me at least this much I'll just take it and leave and if it's below that then I'll have to be into a fight and they actually came in at like the highest number so I was like perfect jerk (laughs) I'm just kind of telling you these stories to be mean I hope you know that yeah well, I'm finding that home insurance stuff is way more of a giant pain in the ass than, like, car insurance stuff. Like, I've, I've dealt with car insurance stuff, and it was like, oh, yeah, here you go. And they just give me a check, and I go deposit it, and it hasn't been a problem. This one, they sent me a check, but it's made out to me and my mortgage company. So, uh, in order to cash it, I have to go get a stamp from my mortgage bank. And the nearest one is, like, an hour away awesome and you know i can only go when they're open did they is, did they sell it to wells fargo or something uh usa bank yeah um i was gonna say that's the thing that drives you nuts is that they can sell your mortgage to another bank so yeah. you know you go to a local bank and then they sell it to some fucking bank that there aren't even branches in your state yeah no my uh, mortgage lady told me more than like 90 95 percent they're gonna sell your mortgage to somebody else just heads up i'm like oh okay so it wasn't a surprise but it just sucks it's like an hour away so i had to take time out of one of my days where i'm supposed to be working which i mean i wouldn't have been working anyway but it's still annoying (laughs) yeah i was gonna say almost almost no banks hold mortgages almost none of them yeah so yeah to drive an hour for him to go oh yeah everything looks in order and then literally put a stamp on my check and then hand it back to me took all of five minutes and then drive back an hour the other way. And I'm going to have to go do it again when my second check comes in. <sighs> yeah, owning the house is great. Don't ever do it. You guys know we have a better banking system than you up here, right? So we don't have all oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you probably do. Because so everything's we better. Have, we just have like four or five giant banks instead of a whole bunch of little ones. But then the government actually regulates them to prevent them from causing too much trouble. So it's a good system. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just pissed because your country won't let me come live there. (laughs) That's it. The podcast is over. Fuck. (laughs) We got too mad at Doug for his perfect country. Well, here's the funniest thing. Canada is also kind of shit, but Canada is so much better than us (laughs) that that their kind of shitty country looks really, really good, and that pisses me off more than anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like they've got Finland's test scores or or Germany's work protections. You know what I mean? Like they're they're a second class first world country. It's just we're a first class third world country. (sighs) (sighs) Oh, you guys are so upset. Have you guys seen the meme going around that proves that statistically there's a 50 50 chance that Finland doesn't exist? So, (laughs) it's just based on population and how small a percentage of the global population they are. They technically fall within the uh, normal error range for censuses. So, they're like, 
They're like 0.92% of the world's population, but with a 1% margin of error, theoretically, Finland might not exist. And we could have all been just dreaming this up the whole time. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Serves them right. Yeah. Yeah, so let's say you fly into the radar. How dare, just, how dare they have the number one educational system in the world for like 25 years running? <laughs> dicks those bastards i like the fact that the rest of their stuff isn't necessarily that good just their educational system well of all the things that's a pretty important one that is a pretty important one but they've they pretty much consistently blow everyone out of the water on test scores which is ironic because they don't do standardized testing well because standardized testing doesn't work it's not a good system Right, it's idiotic. It's not a good way to teach people. Yeah. You know what is a good way to teach people? <laughs> fucking jam a goddamn parasite in their fucking head, make them kids behave. You're jumping one movie ahead. Yeah, we're supposed to start with the direct remake of Invasion and then go to the other one. That's fine. But no, I just, no, I'm, just more, I'm just more excited to talk about the one that doesn't suck. Well, yeah. <laughs> but since over chat, you did say you had positive things to say about Invasion. Why don't you uh, tell us about it? I have I have very limited positive things to say. <laughs> so, I so think that's going to be a theme. It's a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, only instead of pods, it's a virus. Yeah. I mean... That's it. I mean, the the plot in this one is a little more of an action movie than the other ones have been. Sure. Especially in the last third of the movie after all of the insufferable parts of the movie are over. <laughs> uh, I, I should say, I guess the first thing we should talk about is this movie actually has kind of a great cast. Oh, yeah. On paper. Mm-hmm. Delivering what is quite possibly the worst script ever? Well, it's not. It's not just the script. I, it ha, there has to be something in the directing because there's no way that these actors all consistently gave these poor performances. I, I suppose I, somebody I think, was like making them. Yeah, I think where they fucked up in this movie is in all <laughs> the other it. bodies. Well, in all the other body snatchers movie, the trick is. That if someone is a pod person, they act like a normal person with a little hint of pod person in there, right? And in this one, they were like, we'll throw everyone off. So everyone's going to completely act like a pod person. And the normal people will throw in a little bit <laughs> of, of normal, unstilted conversation. I actually agree with what you're saying. That is <laughs> a significant portion of the problem. I think the biggest part of the problem is that whoever made this just thought they were making a much better movie and they were very, very high on themselves. And when you try to make high art and you miss, wow, does it turn out poorly? Well, (laughs) I I want to tell you, this is apparently the studio cut of this movie. Okay. Um, Because apparently he turned in you know, cut of the movie. They hated it. 
So they went and did a bunch of reshoots and then edited together whatever this was. Because there, there are two directors listed, and I think like one's an American director and one's a German director or something yeah. like that. So I, I the, don't think they work together. Like, no. <laughs> the German was the was I think the one that was, you know, the one okay. they had hired for this movie, and then they because hated it. So then they hired the other guy to come in and do reshoots, and then he yeah. he has made good movies. And I've I've only seen I think one of his other movies, but it was really good. Uh, it was called Das Experiment, and it was about like the whole Stanford experiment thing. Mm. Um, and then he's also he made like the, uh, a Hitler film that people really liked that I never got around to seeing. Yeah. So he's is that the one that's good. memed? I believe so, yeah. The one that everyone just uh, changes the subtitles on Hitler screaming about random things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that. So, but, but I mean, I don't think that that's what you should judge it on. <laughs> I, I've heard it's an excellent film. So it's, it's maybe, maybe this is a, a, one of those scenarios where, yeah, like he was doing something and the studio didn't get it and tried to fix it mm-hmm. and was un- unable to, I don't know. I just, just, yeah. I mean, part of it, like, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say it did. You guys do agree, right, that the last third of the movie, once once everyone is pod people, then it actually almost turns into a tolerable movie because you're like, yeah, but they're supposed to be acting weird. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, the movie wasn't salvageable for me by that point. I would yeah. say there's the scene where they're like – because they do that stupid – and you had warned me, Brian, that the editing was bad. Yeah. And – so there's the scene when they finally get to the one where I'm just like, this is where I lost it. it is they're in the police car and they're driving and they keep cutting back and forth to them, like ramming through things and then cutting back to them driving up to ram through the things. And he's telling her, okay, now you get out of the car and then I'll catch up with you later. And then he's, then they show a little bit more of the ramming through things and they keep going back and forth and I'm just like, I can't fucking deal with this. And they do and that, that a couple point, like, times, and it's yeah. disorienting. Yeah, like they go... Not in a good way, though. They show him ram the same thing, like, three times, and each time they cut back to part of the conversation they had before the ramming. And it at this point in the movie, it had been a while since they did any of this weird editing, so you're just like, why is this suddenly happening after, I don't know, maybe an hour of just normal film editing going on? It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I, the, I was going to say, in addition, they do that thing where they, they flash back to something happening that's supposed to be like a reveal but you're like yeah we already we already fucking saw that like i don't yeah like it flashes back to like the husband doing something weird and it's like she's been suspicious that he's a pod person since 10 minutes into the fucking movie (laughs) what what fucking point is there to go oh he's a pod person no shit he had a house full of creepy people trying to kill you (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What about the part where they, like, just speaking of the whole husband and how poorly that was handled, they literally they have her, like, get a phone call from the husband and he demands to see his kid. And she's got a copy of, like, the legal visitation agreement thing on her desk. And then they cut back to show that he hasn't been around for a while. And it's like, you already, you just told us that. <laughs> and now you're doing a flashback to tell us the exact same thing again in a mildly different way. Yeah. And then, yeah, what? within that is like cuts to like 
her talking to her lawyer or some nonsense. It's just like, that's what, that's the first thing. I'm just like, this thing is all over the place. I didn't even like, this is completely like unnecessary jumping back and forth in time. You could literally just have him say, yeah, the divorce sucked, but I need to see my son. And that would have accomplished everything they just did. Yeah. When like that weird group of editing, I don't know. And I don't know. And the, well, the, and like the messaging there too was extremely frustrating to me. Like they were doing the sort of like woke filmmaker thing where they made the the lead character the female and stuff, which is fine. Like I don't have a problem yeah. with it, especially if it's Nicole Kidman. I anticipated a good performance from her. I didn't get one, but I thought I was going to get one. <laughs> but w- when they do the whole thing where like the dad is demanding to see his kid and they act like he's the bad guy for doing that. And then it turns out he really is the bad guy because he's a pod person by the time he gets to see his kid. I'm just like, that's not cool, man. Like, <laughs> like there's a difference between trying to, like, do the, the bit of the women's right thing by converting the main character into a female. Fine, you did that. But then you don't need to make the dad a bad guy for wanting to see his child. Like, that's that's the only crime we see him commit is asking to see his child. And somehow that makes him the villain of the piece. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. It was terrible. Can I ask you guys a question about Daniel Craig's character? Sure. Was he trying to hide his British accent and failing? <laughs> or was he intentionally speaking that way? I do. Like I said, I just assumed they did. They did that pod person thing. They were like, "Behave like a pod person, Daniel Craig." He's like, "But, but I'm not. I don't turn into a pod person till way later." They're like, "Yeah, but we need you to pod it up right now." Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. All right. So if you guys don't have an answer for that question, how about this question? <laughs> On a scale of one to ten. How fucking pretentious is it to have a whole scene in your movie where it will only be entertaining to the audience if the audience is familiar with uh, Czech and Russian international relations? <laughs> Keeping in mind that the movie is set entirely in America. Yeah. Scale of one to ten is that is that a that's at least a nine on the pretentiousness scale, right? Probably. Fuck <laughs> off! I was so frustrated with this movie. Uh, <laughs> I just. I, I almost lost it when they did the goulash joke about like the checks because I'm like that's just you like that feels like that was a joke written about some other culture and you decided to make it check and make a goulash reference because you think you're smarter than me <laughs> and then it, it leads into that whole goddamn scene with the Russian ambassador guy and I'm just like I can't fucking deal with you people <laughs> I didn't like this movie by the way if you guys are wondering <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, remember last week when we said Body Snatchers was at the bottom of the list? Well. Yep. I I think that we have firmly established that while one and two are, are debatable, it pretty much goes one, two, three, four. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> each, each subsequent remake gets worse. And this one, all, the, the most unforgivable fucking thing about this movie is... So they decide to go a different route with the ending scenario because I'm assuming they thought this has already been remade three times and it would be cliche to have the whole, oh, it's spreading, but maybe there's a chance. 
you know, that that kind of stuff. And instead they were like, what if we just have random people be immune? And it's like, so you went more cliche. You like <laughs> you you tried to avoid a cliche by wrapping a cliche up in cliche cloth and just shoving it in there. <laughs> like, well, how about okay, so let's I understand what you're saying, and I don't want to take away your criticism of the film, but I want to add on to it by saying, how fucking annoyed were you guys when they're like, they figure out that one lady had like that one disease, and they're mm. like, oh, she had that disease, and we uh, had, which, uh, and that's Nancy, why she's Nancy immune. Cartwright, by the way, a little little fun connection to the '78 one. Okay. But how? <laughs> Dog doesn't care. I don't want anything fun about this movie. Uh, no, there were some references to the 78 film, and I thought that at first I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. And then, but then the movie happened, and now yeah, nothing's fun. Totally. So, but my point was so they go through that whole thing where they're like breaking into the office, so that's where we get our scene of them trapped in the office, which is a reference back to like even the 50s version of the story and all that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here. And then they're like, but we don't know how to find that woman. And she's like, wait a minute. My fucking kid had that same disease. Let's make the rest of the movie about me finding my kid because he had that same disease. And oh, wow, wouldn't that just be convenient? And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You went through all of that to prove that that woman was immune just so you could make it about finding your kid instead. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Just because all of a sudden you suddenly remember that he had the same disease. And it's Man, literally did like. Did you notice that they. Did you notice that they shrug her off, too? It's the weirdest fucking scene in the movie I've ever seen where they're like, my kid also had that. And they're like, oh, good. Then we don't have to save that bitch. It's like, <laughs> that's basically their reaction. Uh, it literally is. And then, like, even when they clip to, like, the scientist guy, which is another uh, – he's another good actor that gives a bad performance in this movie. I forget, I forget his name off the top of Jeffrey, my head. But, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Um, so he's he's another guy that is generally pretty good that is not good in this. Um, when they cut to him, he starts using like medical terminology to explain why they can just write that bitch off in Noah's terms. He's like, "Oh, good, we have an alternative source." Like, it's like, no, 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 don't just concur with their decision to let that lady die. <laughs> there's all sorts of there's uh, and there's more than one moment in this movie where they basically do the same thing that where she's walking through the train station and she sees that kid crying for help and she's like yeah fuck that kid I'm going to get my kid <laughs> fuck you if I'm going to save one kid it'll be mine thanks right you have no genetic connection to me so I feel no need to assist you in any way <sighs> oh man. You guys want to know what the worst scene of the movie was, though? Uh, all of it? The ending where they replay the Russian guy's words while she's watching the TV. No, I, that didn't bug me too much because I was already not paying attention. Oh. But uh, the the scene that I was just like, are you fucking joking? Is when they do the whole thing where they film the outside of the dad's house and the kid and his friend are outside playing and you zoom right in on them and it closes right up close to them and they both got their PlayStation portables out. And the one kid just goes, something weird about my dad. The other kid goes, yeah, mine too. And then one kid gets up and walks in the house, and that's the whole scene. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You just, what did you just set up? Those, that, there was something was supposed to happen, right? And nothing fucking happens. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't know if they thought they were doing some commentary about how the kids wouldn't notice because they're busy on their games. But it just came across as so dumb to me. 
I didn't like this movie. <laughs> Ar- no. Arguably, the best performance in this entire movie is given by the little orphan Asian kid. <laughs> He's the only compelling. Whenever she opens that uh, bathroom door on the the, uh, is she on a plane or a train? I can't remember. Train. I think it's a tra- train. Yeah. But she opens the back and he's standing there and he's like, "I'm your family now. Come on, <laughs> it's done. F- fuck you. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, little kid, you're the best thing in this whole movie. That was actually kind of creepy and compelling." Yeah, I'm rooting for you. And then she, later she smashes his head into a bedpost. <laughs> it doesn't work out too well. But you know what else I noticed about this movie? Because you're you're saying you're rooting for the bad guy in that scene. When we finally get the moments where the pod people have, have her surrounded and they're just like, they're literally explaining to her that they are producing world peace and that humanity basically is terrible. And then basically if you let them take over that everything we say we want out of life will get, like there'll be no more hunger and world peace and this and we can literally see on the tv as like world leaders become pod people they're signing peace deals between all these like weird countries like and you're just like okay and now where's the counter argument from the humans and they don't really provide one (laughs) so like they literally it's just they're like they explain why all the advantages to becoming pod people and then they're just like but inherently because they're the pod people they must be the evil ones so we don't need to explain why they're wrong for doing what they're doing and yeah. i'm like oh that, that was a really solid argument like when you see the koreas and like uh, i think they show india and pakistan having like peace and you're like oh that's actually maybe give a little bit of ourselves and become pod people so that we don't have to have nuclear war it's pretty good actually I mean, really, the only the only moment in the entire movie that the pod people are in the wrong is when they get to the point of where she's talking to Daniel Craig after he gets uh, potted that because the child is immune, they're going to have to kill that kid because they there's no room in their society for, you know, the the dissenter. And that's the only one because that's that the. uh the evil utilitarian aspect, you know what I mean? Where sure, yeah. it's it's okay to kill one person if everyone else is happy, and that is that is a morally bankrupt, idiotic statement. Sure, but I have two problems with that. Number one, they don't really explain why they have to kill that kid because he's immune, but he's not capable of harming the rest of them in any way. And then, secondly, I would say, how does that make? the people who are killing them just for being whatever aliens are no better right <laughs> they're just you know they're gonna they're gonna kill hundreds of people to save that one kid so how well, is that really you know I, I would, I mean? it, I would, it is kind of a there's there's a difference between killing out of self-preservation and and killing out of assimilation those are not the same I morally guess. they're not the same thing yes that's I, asking a lot of this movie yeah, I don't. Well, I think this movie, though, by its nature, lends itself to this level of questioning. This, it, this it, level it, of pretentious talk. Yeah, like it wants to be a very high end, high class retelling of this story, and by doing that, it it invites us to like read so much into all this and eventually realize that they don't have answers for us. 
and maybe the original director did have answers, but certainly the version we got did not have answers to these questions, which is problematic. Plus, it was boring because of all the bad acting. <laughs> yeah, I pointed out there's like zero suspense in this movie. All the stuff that they, I feel like they want to make suspenseful is like, well, duh. And then it's yeah. not suspenseful. Yeah, they, and they, tele, they telegraph every move really, really badly. Yeah. Like, even if you haven't seen the other versions of Body Snatchers, if you're not able to, like, guess who the pod people are, <laughs> you're, you suck. <laughs> when, Daniel, when Daniel Craig's supposed to come pick her up and then he takes eight hours to get there and you're supposed to be like, oh, maybe he's not a pod person. Of course he's a fucking pod person. <laughs> like, he's a regular person. He's just eight hours late for shit sometimes. Right, just in the middle of a horrible crisis that where there's a time crunch. Wasn't that like if we're just going to be bitching about how bad that relationship was between those two main characters too? You're just like I don't even understand. Like for a long time, I'm like, are they dating or not? Are they colleagues? Are they friends? I don't understand their relationship. And then he kisses her at one point, and then she's like, No, no, you can't do that. I'm like, Okay, so they're not dating. I, I still don't know if they're supposed to have been friends, really, or just like coworkers that occasionally went out for drinks after. Like, I, it was weird. I did. It was just terrible. Yeah. So it also during while they were filming this is when Daniel Craig found out he was going to be James Bond. Okay. So he actually had to leave for a while to go do a bunch of press. So I don't know. He should have just not come fucking. Yeah, back. right. <laughs> that's maybe that's what that eight hours was. Maybe he had a bunch of other scenes he was supposed to film in there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. This movie is god awful. Yeah, it's just. Which is not surprising. I mean, it did not do well at the box office whatsoever. But yeah, it has it has like two visual scenes that you're kind of like, okay, no, I get what I get what they were going for, but that doesn't make a good movie. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't do anything. I mean, like the whole thing of her covering her body in those gross scabby things in order to trick them into thinking that she's molted. <laughs> Like, I was like, that's actually a good scene. The whole train scene, I think, is good. All of it. Her, or, you know, her kind of trying to hold back the emotions and then going in the bathroom and kind of having the breakdown and then almost falls in sleep. And then you've got the kid and then, you know, she does the fake out. It's all good. But that is about five minutes of a two hour movie that sucks donkey dicks. <laughs> and also, yeah. like, the infection stuff is not interesting. Literally, no. people just spit in other people's faces, and that's how you become infected. And then if you ever fall asleep again, then you're in trouble. Because to rewrite your DNA, you have to sleep. Well, I thought I was almost done complaining, but now I'm not. Um, <laughs> to add into all that, okay, so then from a storytelling perspective, were we not way too far along the story when they finally got around to seeing the first body, the first the Russian guy that had fallen asleep that was like half converted? Yeah. Did, did anybody else feel like and I don't 
I'm worried that this is a problem of having watched so many of these movies, but it's like, I already knew everything that was going on. And then you presented to me the body, which is like every other version of the story, you get that body early Mm. and theoretically you don't know what's coming. Right. And we only, you know, we only know what's coming because we know the story, but in this version, it was like, there's pod people from outer space. They're coming to get you. It's, it spreads like an infection. Now here's one of the bodies. And you're like, well, don't, you can't show the body now. You needed to show that before you told us what was going on. I felt like, I don't remember exactly, but I felt when I was watching it, I remember feeling like she got the full explanation of what was going on over the phone in like a 30 second scene. Yeah. And then just went off about her day trying to figure out where her kid was. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's, again, not suspenseful, and that's boring as fuck. Yeah, this movie has a very bad formula. It's it's like, attempt to be creepy, but not creepy. Ten minutes of boring shit. One minute of complete info dump for no fucking reason. Wash, rinse, repeat. That's the entire, the entire fucking movie. I think there's like five info dumps. Which is just, it's bad. It's, that's bad movie making. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if those were reshoot stuff. Like, yeah, just have them say all the shit on camera and then we're good. Have them explain it in complete detail. So apparently this movie costs an estimated $80 million to make. And I think that's not, <laughs> what? that is not including the reshoots. Oh my God. And cumulative worldwide gross was $40 million. That's actually more than I was expecting. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, it, it should it should be negative dollars. It's yeah. <laughs> like I've I've said this before, and I think I I don't know why studios they have so much money flowing in and out of them at all times. Like, why not once in a while just bury a film like this? Just go look. Right. This, there's nothing salvageable here. You know you. By the time you put the money into the reshoots and then add a marketing budget onto that, they didn't make a penny off of this. If they had just thrown out the prints and just said, oops, uh, it would have been better for everybody. I was going to say, but occasionally they do bury movies and then you're just left wondering what the fuck happened to that movie for the rest of eternity. Like, do you guys remember the Red Sonja movie that was supposed to come out? It was done. What the fuck happened to that movie? Oh, I heard they didn't even start filming it. They had, I, I mean, as far as I understood it, it, wasn't it like a month before it was supposed to be released and they canned it? No, I have no idea. I, I, like I said, it was weird. It just vanished and they just stopped talking about it. They didn't like make a big announcement like, hey, we're getting rid of Red Sonja. They were just like, mm, take down those posters. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a thing. That wasn't a real thing. You're remembering incorrectly. Um, so I, I, think just, it, I just looked at it. It had something like that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so the budget for the 93 body snatchers was 13 million. Yeah. Cumulative worldwide gross that apparently it only opened in the United States from what it looks like was 428,000. Uh, that's not a good return. Didn't we decide this was like a this was a uh, maybe like a cable movie, like HBO or something? 
That would make sense if it was that that's it only opened like you know had like minimal screenings or something. Because yeah. I remember everyone talking about that movie and like that was not it wasn't a movie that nobody saw back in the day. Maybe everybody saw it on TV, but it wasn't that they didn't see it. Uh, let's see, seventy-eight body snatchers was three and a half million with the twenty-four million uh, worldwide gross. So. Seems about right to me. Yeah. Those those numbers always make my head hurt. The amount of inflation that happened from 1970 to like 1985. Oh sure, it's it's like I I don't know. Like I said, it it almost you're like wait I don't understand how did the prices go up that much in <laughs> fucking ten years? How did how did a fucking movie making 24 million be a success in 78? That doesn't make sense. But right. <laughs> Uh, then the original 50s invasion of the body snatchers budget was 417,000 estimated and they must I don't know th- there's some counting error because it said it made like $2,000 cumulative worldwide gross so they don't that doesn't seem right yeah they don't have all their facts there but yeah so I would say invas- the invasion is like the worst the worst return on investment. Yeah, that's good. I was, was going to say those inflation numbers. I always tell people in comic book terms, 1930s, a comic book was 10 cents. By the 1960s, a comic book was 10 cents. By the 1970s, a comic book was 30 cents. And by 1990, it was th- like $4. <laughs> like... What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck happened in there besides Ronald fucking Reagan? Well, uh, Wikipedia says the box office for the original Invasion was three million. So okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that feels a little better because that obviously was a hit. Yeah, or else we wouldn't still be talking about it sixty or whatever years later. Yeah. Uh, end of discussion on body snatchers. Watch the original one. Watch the 1970s one. If you're feeling froggy, watch the 90s one. And uh, don't fucking watch this trash because this is trash. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I would give a solid recommend to any of the original three. Um, I, I would probably put the 78 version at the top and then the 50s and then the 90s. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't hate the 90s version. There was lots of fun to be had in it. And certainly, like, having watched that and then watched this and gone, oh, at least that one had, was fun. Like, <laughs> if nothing else, like, you know what I mean? At least, like, when the things invaded, it was cool looking. This one has scenes where somebody tries to tell her that she's holding, like, latex. And it's like, but it's alive. Oh, well, then I guess it's not latex. Like, that happens in this fucking movie. Right. It, it, has a, it has a vein in it, and we've seen it move three times. Yeah. Probably latex. Ugh. Yeah, this Jesus. movie's awful. Um, but, Doug, I know you were worried about watching this next movie because you were hoping it was going to hold up. But uh, why don't you run down The Faculty? Uh, the Faculty is, it's, I mean, to some extent, it's another retelling of the same story. This time it's a very hip and happening high school in 1998. Um, 
nerdy kid finds something in the football field. It turns out it is a parasite that is invading people and taking over the school, body snatcher style. Although, as Noah will point out momentarily, it's more technically a puppet master style. And uh, the kids, including the local drug dealer, have to figure out how to stop it. But luckily, the drug he's selling, which it turns out is not actually illegal drug he's been conning them so he's not a bad guy after all <laughs> but it it stops the uh luckily it stops the aliens so they're able to put a stop to everything and then the one alien turns into a real giant crazy looking thing so that the lord of the rings kid can stab it <laughs> is that is that a plot description no that's good so no so, uh, no i know you this, were super excited uh, yeah, I was going to say, this This movie is called Before They Were Famous, the movie. <laughs> so many people in this movie. In addition, yeah. it's called Before They Were Accused of Assaulting Women, the movie. <laughs> All right, let's get that part out of the way. So go through the list of people in the movie who have been accused of assaulting women. We don't need to mention Jesus. Josh Hartnett's haircut. It's its own separate assault on a human species. Yeah, I was I like, was, whoever thought was that was a good say, look? He, look, he looks Just like a Josh guy Hartman. that hits his girlfriend. He, he he literally is the only human being to ever have that haircut, and he had it for like five years, and they made him famous during that five years for some <laughs> fucking reason. Uh, yeah. Couldn't have just been famous later. I don't uh, even know. I think I would have a hard time listing all of it. I, I couldn't believe that I was sitting there going, oh, yeah. Oh, no. And and well, then they got to the point where he's in the bathroom, and I was like, is that James fucking Masterson? How the fuck did they squeeze James fucking Masterson into this goddamn movie? Danny Masterson? Danny Masterson. Thank you. <laughs> just, yeah. just So he was one. I saw Harry Knowles, who had his own sexual harassment scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's a Weinstein joint, so that alone makes it problematic. Uh, those are the only ones I saw. Are there others? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm trying to remember what his name is. I was thinking that the guy who plays the, uh, history teacher was accused of something at some point. It's plausible. But, But I can't remember now. The fact that you're it, referring to him as the guy who plays the history teacher implies that I don't know that much about him. He was also he was also the bad guy from Lord of Illusions, <laughs> randomly. Mm, yeah, but yeah, so so this movie's dope. Can can we just say that first of all? <laughs> well, uh, I guess you can it, since it's a '98 movie. In, in, right. Yeah, in, in, in That's your the proper terminology. Terminology. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we were saying, it's technically a remake of the Puppet Masters, which is ironic because they fucking say it in the movie. <laughs> and I do not remember that scene. And I was like, you know what? I was such a book nerd back then, and somehow that slid right the fuck over me. And because yeah. they're even pointing out that they're like, well, Body Snatchers is just a ripoff of this other thing. <laughs> and they're almost pointing out, they're like, yeah, this movie's a ripoff, but f- fuck you, they're all ripoffs. <laughs> well, see, that scene, though, saved this movie for me because when the movie starts, and it's very, very 1998. Oh, when I say this. For, for people who haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, 
there is literally an offspring song playing while the main characters are pulling up to school and their names are being flashed across the screen. And when they were flashing those names across the screen, I'm like, can I call in sick to the podcast this week? Do I really want to watch a movie that starts with the names flashing across the screen? Can I do this? But then they get to that scene and we get that discussion about the difference between the puppet masters and body snatchers. And I start to realize, okay, yeah, it's 1998. That's nobody's fault. But this is like a really clever movie and they know exactly what they're doing. So, yeah, they take it. They take the fucking thing to the high school science teacher in a scene that is very reminiscent of of what happened with Gremlins. But they know they're doing that. That's not that's not them thinking they're getting one over our heads. They have that scene walking through all the nerd stuff to let those of us who are going to pick up on the references know that these are all intentional references. So that's where I go. Oh, this is a smart movie. And I start watching for the references. And by the time they get to the thing reference, I'm all excited to see how it goes. So which, really which thing reference? The testing. Scene. The test. I I was going to say there's also the uh, the head crawling and stuff. Oh, yeah, there's, that too. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of references to a lot of movies. Yeah. But once I realized that those were all intentional and that they weren't trying to get one by us and just steal that, like they didn't, they didn't take the, the fucking parasite to the guy from The Daily Show just because they thought <laughs> nobody would recognize the pattern that they were stealing from. I'm like, okay, I can live with this now. Now I can live with fucking Josh Hartnett's haircut and Harry Knowles being <laughs> in this movie for no fucking reason and them having to hire like – like Shooter McGavin comes in for a cameo and you're like, why, like, why does everybody have to be somebody? But I'm like, okay, I can, I can let all that go. That's the studio saying you want to make this movie. We need all these famous faces in it. That's the fact that it's 1998 and they all think they have to be clever and talk like they're in Scream. Okay, put all that aside. This was a super fun movie to watch after that. I th- I feel like the most jarring thing in this entire movie is Selma Hayek not being sexy Selma Hayek. <laughs> and they put her in the like that yes. nurse's uniform, and you're like, there's got to be a scene like when she's wearing that like lab coat, nurse's coat thing. I'm right. like, event- eventually she's gonna try to like seduce somebody wearing just the coat, right? Like that's just what happens in a 1998 movie with Selma Hayek in it, and it doesn't happen. And I'm like, oh, well, that's unexpected. Especially a movie directed by Robert Rodriguez with Selma Hayek. Right, I know. <laughs> Yeah, let's run down all the teachers because the, I mean, the fucking cast list on this is fantastic. So, yeah, I got Salma Hayek as the nurse, Famke Jansen as, uh, I don't, what, what class is she teaching? Like literature or something? Yeah, she's, she's the English teacher. English teacher. She's just there to rag on poor Josh Hartnett's character. So, Jean Grey from the X Men, who, who is, of course, the nerdy teacher until she's taken over, then she's the sexy teacher. Yeah, then so she takes and out I, that detail and takes off those glasses in what I can only assume is another intentional reference to other movies. <laughs> uh, uh, Piper Laurie plays uh, I don't know Karen Olson, but I don't I don't know what her position is. Uh, but she was a teacher, but I don't know what she yeah. taught. Teacher Shooter McGavin, as you said, is Elijah Wood's dad. Um, BB New Earth. Famous from Cheers and Frasier and from Broadway. Uh, you got John Stewart as the science teacher, as you said. 
Uh, and then that one guy is Mr. John Tate, who was the history teacher. Uh, I didn't find anything on any of those people as far as sexual harassment stuff goes. <laughs> since that is something we're keeping track of. Um, and then um, Robert Patrick is the coach who I thought was fucking awesome in this movie. He was because good. yeah, he's the he's the first one who gets infected. But then, like, I mean, he's a hard ass for like a lot of the movie, or you know, certain parts of the movie. Definitely the beginning. But then later, when he's infected and he's sort of doing that weird, I don't want to say it's non-emotional, but it's really like nice. Yeah. So when Robert Patrick's trying to be nice, it's the creepiest goddamn thing you've ever seen. Well, I was talking to Shar about it because she she was like, you know, he's really good at being spooky. And I was like, that's because he has serial killer face. He does have right? serial killer face. I, yeah. I'm just saying, if you put that picture up anywhere and you said that guy murders people, everyone would go, oh, yeah, that guy murders people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the direction on him was he was told to act nice. With the clear intention of having it be creepy, because I'm sure the director knew he'd be creepy if he tried to act nice. Uh, and then for the kids, we got Elijah Wood, who's the nerdy kid, obviously. Um, Jordana Brewster, who I think was in a couple of the early Fast and the Furious movies. I didn't really watch them. Uh, Josh Hartnett and his hair, as we mentioned. Look, uh, that, that should be two separate credits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Clea Duvall, who was like everywhere in the 90s, uh, and I yeah. love her, so I was super happy to see her again. Um, Usher, of course. This was his first movie. We were all excited, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually think Usher's, Usher's a pretty good actor. Yeah, he's I, fine. I can't think of him from anything except this, and I couldn't think of him from this until I rewatched it. He's, uh, he's been in a few things. Sean Hotsey, who was kind of big in the 90s for a while. Which one's that? Uh, the football player who quits football. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, last time I saw him, he was on one of the last couple seasons of Dexter. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Laura Harris, who's the creepy southern girl who's new. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just look at this cast list, and it's like, yeah, I know every single person on this list. Well, yeah, cause, and there were more, too, in the background. Like, you would just oh, yeah. see faces, and you're just like, oh, yeah, because I watched a lot of movies back then. <laughs> and they were the same faces that would always show up. And then the funny thing is, everyone who's not another famous person in the background is an interesting cameo. <laughs> <laughs> like the... Uh, the creepy looking girl at the beginning that she asked where the office is. I do believe that is Robert Rodriguez's daughter. Okay. Tina Rodriguez looks like she is credited here on IMDb. Yeah. I did like, I, I, I really enjoyed that moment that took me back to like that weird high school where she said, the southern girl is like hi i'm you know and she always gives her full name and then she's like which i obviously don't remember um she's like i love what you've done with your nose ring and it's got that chain that runs from the nose ring to the earring <laughs> i'm like holy shit <laughs> i think the funniest thing that happened so char was in the the room while i was watching this one and and she was making fun of the fact that she was like you know nah, there's no high school actually like that and i was like you know what the weird thing is my fucking high school was exactly like that. 
<laughs> like, it, sure, the in the movie version, it's a little exaggerated, but there really was a dude selling meth out of the trunk of his car, and there really was two girls beating the shit out of each other in the parking lot every morning, <laughs> and there really was asshole dudes, like, picking up some poor kid and throwing him in a trash can in the hallway for no reason. Like my, my high school was the nineties cliche high school. Yeah. I didn't feel like this portrayal of a high school was that far off. I mean, it was no. obviously exaggerated, but even the teachers, I felt like you had like, you know, the ones that were just frustrated and didn't want to do it anymore, but they weren't eligible for a pension yet. And you had like the ones that thought they were up and coming and they're all like, you know, dressing to the nines every day and the football coach who takes it way too fucking serious. You know, like all that reminds me a lot of high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't super out of the realm of believability when I was watching it. No. Made me a little nostalgic. What was out of the realm of believability for me was that absolutely every character would have to wear a shirt that required the Tommy Hilfiger logo to be right front and center. <laughs> like, <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of problems with uh, people getting in trouble outside of the context, I was oh, yeah. like, oh, shit, this is racist clothes, the movie as well. <laughs> but like when the when the goth girl is wearing a black Tommy Hilfiger sweater, I'm like, no, nah, that's not. That's not how that works. <laughs> like, I understand product placement's a thing, but you're pushing it pretty far here. Uh, and, of course, the bad boy, Josh Hartnett, turns out he's, like, the smartest person in the school, but he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't push himself until, until at the end when we find out, of course, after shit like this goes down, apparently you just go back to school like nothing happened. Yeah. And uh, if you're the bad boy who's repeating his senior year and is a genius, you join the football team to, to make yourself feel better. That part didn't make any sense to me at all. No. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I don't. That was like the one moment of the movie. It was like, which is pretty I, good. Like, but I was just like, what the fuck is he on the football team for now? <laughs> I feel like the whole. So all the. Uh... I'm not. Should we call it a pre-credit scene? It's before the era of the post-credit scene. But after the resolution of the movie, we get all those weird little montage of where are they now? Breakfast Club bullshit. And I hate every second of that. I love the rest of this movie, but then I was like, okay, so he's a football player now. Doesn't make sense. We'll move on. Oh, he's fucking a teacher. That's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like. Let's let's move on. Oh, nerdy kid gets to fuck the hot chick. That is completely fucking unnecessary. Yeah. And I don't fucking care. That oh, the, the shy girl gets to fuck the popular kid. Oh, fucking great. Like, I don't care. I don't care about any of those fucking things you just put in. That, I, that might I actually like happen. Elijah but would... but the high, but the but the high school guy would tell her not to tell anybody. Right. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, and it's all, like, I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe it's asking too much since it's a 90s movie, but I feel like all of that stuff offends my sensibilities now. I almost I almost hate movies that interject additional romantic relationships into them for no, like, they don't serve a purpose. 
No, unless it was like supposed to be a Breakfast Club reference. It's the only thing I because everything else in this movie right. is a reference to movies. <laughs> so if they were doing the Breakfast Club reference, is the only reason I can see it. As well, let's just have you know the weird pairings at the end of the movie. I did kind of like the fact that like Elijah Wood's character is on the cover of all these magazines. That, whether it's like, did he save and fuss from an alien invasion, or is he a liar? <laughs> Those that I liked. I was like, that was that's that should be the entire credit sequence. It's just nothing but these magazines flipping down, and it should have started with him being a hero, and it just slowly more and more stuff saying that he's crazy. Yeah, that would have been the way to go. That would have been hilarious. Uh, here in the trivia says each one of the film's protagonists has an obvious counterpart from the breakfast club. Stan's counterpart is Andy. Delilah's is Claire. Casey's is Brian. Zeke's is Bender and Stokely's is Allison. But where does Mary Beth fit in? She doesn't. Because she's an alien. (laughs) There also was another character that got cut from the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was a character named Venus who apparently had a bunch of scenes and got completely edited out of the movie. And you can only see her once when they're in science class. She's standing next to Usher. Oh, interesting. Uh, Tina Rodriguez, by the way, is Robert Robert Rodriguez's sister. Sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew she was related to him. I stopped caring about that a long time ago. <laughs> well, I'm just looking through it and all this stuff is popping out of me. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, this one does another interesting thing where, uh, yeah, they they do do the thing where they're like, okay, the aliens are bad. Like, we all get that the aliens are bad in this movie. But they're also like, in some ways, the aliens are good. <laughs> like, so they actually give you a little give and take on it yeah and i think you kind of see that the most during the football game where they're infecting the other team but you know they're all like they're not emotionless drones they're having a good time and laughing and it's that idea of everyone on their sides perfectly united if that makes sense yeah i definitely think this movie because it's just a fun kind of teen movie it doesn't invite that same level of discussion and same level of scrutiny when you're like, well, why are the aliens the bad guys? And it's like, because they're fucking aliens who could crawl in your ear and take over your brain. That just makes them bad guys, and that's enough logic for a movie of this level. I was going to say, they solved that real quick at the beginning by having the coach shove the pencil through the principal's hand for no reason. And then that one bites Jon Stewart, and you're like, okay, they're mean. I get it. (laughs) How dare dare you hurt Jon Stewart's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> John Stewart's credit moment is the funniest fucking thing and I almost feel like it doesn't fit like that joke does not belong in this movie but it's a really funny joke what was the joke I don't even remember you guys didn't did you guys watch the credits yeah but I, I was kind of working so, so I wasn't paying so as, attention so as you may recall they cut off his fingers stabbed him in the eye and then yeah. he basically melted mm-hmm at the end of the movie, 
whenever they're showing all the actors, it's supposed to be post-infection. It's them, you know, afterwards. And whenever it gets to John Stewart, John Stewart's hand is all bandaged up and he's wearing an eye patch, but for some reason he's alive and he like waves all dumb to the camera. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, nice. I like that. Hmm. Do you guys notice John Stewart in this movie has the exact same goatee as Charlie Sheen in the other movie? <laughs> they were just made they were made that close together in the nineties where just yeah, that was the you know, I'm an adult but I'm still kinda hip and cool goatee that everybody had to have. Two years apart. Yep. Oh, that's funny. So anything else? Cause, uh, I mean sounds like yes yes for this movie no for the invasion yeah i mean pretty obvious Mm -hmm. it doesn't it it, i was gonna say it does commit another movie sin which is at the end of the movie having the quote-unquote teenage girl butt naked for she's like an alien 20 minutes i was gonna say alien at that point so it's okay she is an alien last week right (laughs) but she is an alien in the teenager's body i don't know it's complicated it's yeah last week's was a little easier when it was an actual pod that was born so Um, is is she an infected person at that point no no i think she is just an alien yeah, because oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes it okay, I guess. Yeah. Because for yep. all we know, on the alien planet, they don't wear clothes at all. Yeah. No way to be specious. Meh. Oh, yeah. I just remembered what I was going to say about the other movie. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> Go ahead. I forgot all about it. There's, there's an interesting thing in the invasion that they do with... Uh, the fact that they're showing the cops like used as a tool of the uh, the body snatchers, essentially, which I thought it's it's interesting and almost politically relevant to right now about how the system meant to protect you can so quickly and easily be shifted into something that just destroys you. Okay, I'll I'll grant you that that's vaguely interesting. However, it's, it's also to note it's in every other movie we've talked about in this entire four week period. I think I think it's more visible in Invasion than it was in the other ones. You think so? Because it, when it was a small town that only had one cop, it was the one cop that became the the, the uh, right. But but I'm saying so you have you have the cops rounding people up and arresting them and doing it, and at the same time you have the uh, the vaccine stations where they're rounding people up and. You know, using that to infect you, and I don't know. Like, like I said, it, it seems to be a lot more of the uh, the system is against you rather than the the people are against you. If that makes sense. Nineteen seventy eight. They're shipping the pods out of city hall. Yeah, I mean, come in, on. in the faculty, they're using the PA system to call the kids down to the office to infect them. I know. Like it's literally. I'm not. I'm not saying that it isn't in the other movies. I'm saying it's. It's. There's a very prominent sequence in the invasion that is a good sequence. Once. Once again, it's kind of like the train thing. Maybe it's three and a half minutes long in a two-hour shitty movie. Not enough to unshitty that movie. Not enough to watch that movie. But enough to point out if you did watch. It. I, I would say that all they were doing was building on 
they were, they were doing the modern version of what they were remaking and it wasn't I don't think I think you're seeing it because of your current political stance you're seeing it as maybe more important than it is in the film well I think that's I, I think that is a thing it is I said it's politically relevant okay rather can than I, a, a time when it wouldn't be politically relevant can, can I point out that one of the things that was fun about watching the faculty is that they go and they actually say if you were because they're like why would these aliens come to this high school in Ohio and they're like well think about it if you were trying to take over the world would you go to Washington DC like they did in Independence Day or would you try to sneak in and then the next day I watched the invasion and those stupid aliens went right to Washington DC <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like that other movie is so much smarter than this movie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I don't think the fact it was intentionally calling out a movie that was made, like, whatever, eight years later, but... (laughs) Uh, Nine years later. There you go. Yeah. Could have been erased from existence, and I think we all would have been better off. But looking at the times of when they remake Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like the period of time, it feels like we're almost due for another remake. We're almost due? Yeah. Maybe they'll get it right this time. I was going to say, what did, what did you guys watch uh, The Faculty on? Well, I started to watch it on my DVD that I own, but then <laughs> fucking Doug brought up how he watched something last week and it wasn't uh anamorphic <laughs> and so it looked all shitty and so that's what mine did and i was like god damn it and i just looked and i saw it was on voodoo for four dollars and i'm like that's worth picking up yeah. for collection so i bought it <laughs> the funniest thing four dollars to rent an sd four dollars to rent an hd four dollars to buy an sd and four dollars <laughs> to buy HD. Why the fuck have all of those options when clearly... Yeah. So I bought it, and it looked way better on that than it did on my DVD. I watched it through Hoopla because for some reason it's on there twice, so I figured I should watch one of them. It's very, very strange that it's on there twice to me, and I don't understand why. (laughs) Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So what did everybody watch? I have been watching The Floor is Lava. Have you guys seen that? It's fantastic. I've heard people talk about it, that it's a thing, but I haven't seen it. It's dumb. So uh, have you seen Wipeout? You know the show Wipeout? Yeah. Imagine Wipeout, but instead of like running a straight line obstacle course, it is a large room, and in addition to jumping from thing to thing over bubbling orange water uh there's also like an escape room element to it 
where there's like secret things you can knock over or use or twist or turn or and all that kind of shit. And uh, the the team who gets either the most people across the room or the fastest if it's a tie wins. And it's dumb and, and fucking delightful at the same time. It is such a great brainless ass show. And I think I needed that. I needed that so bad. <laughs> Been like stressed out at work and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't have to think at all watching this. Like I could just laugh and watch people trying to jump six feet and smacking their face on something. <laughs> Not not severely hurting themselves, just enough to be funny. <laughs> that's, that's the important thing. I would never delight in the actual suffering of another person. I just want them to hurt just a little bit. And that's and that's that's literally it. I didn't have time to watch anything. What about you, Doug? I've been busy as fuck. I uh I also have virtually nothing to talk about. (laughs) I I haven't watched any other movies this week. Um, The one thing I've been watching is the 1949 Batman and Robin serial. About about time I tracked that down. (laughs) I actually own it on DVD. Like something I bought a long time ago at Best Buy. Like if you bought uh, some Batman movie, you got that for free. And I was like, well, that sounds cool. And I bought it, you know, got it for free, put it on my shelf, and I've never watched it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to try to argue that it's good, just so we're clear. That would be... No, but I would imagine... involved. I would imagine it's an interesting artifact. It's an interesting artifact of its time. What's most notable for it is how much influence it's had on other Batman stuff that I like Mm -hmm. that I didn't know this is what they were referencing. Um, So starting with the fact that one of the main characters is a reporter named Vicky Vale, who is constantly trying to prove that Batman and Bruce are the same person, which I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I didn't anticipate that because I yeah. didn't know that's Tim- like, I, I just knew the name Vicky Vale came from somewhere in comics, but I didn't expect there to be a prominent character named that. And, you know, a playing a similar role as the 89 Batman. But more than that, I didn't realize that Batman 66 was a parody basically of this. Um, the relationships between Batman and Robin and the police is exactly the same where they like call the house and then Alfred has to like go and get Batman and he, then they go and they meet in the commissioner's office and everything like that. It's all handled exactly the same in this, and it's really not that different. It's just by the 60s, what's happening here was considered cheesy, whereas in the 40s it was considered action. <laughs> and the, the fight scenes are right out of Batman 66. Again, not, not trying to be funny, just that's what it looks like and then in 1966 they obviously were doing like let's make those but we'll add in the bam pow splat so everyone knows that we're now parodying it but it's the exact same fighting techniques it's you know batman throwing his big punches and then having like three guys grab him and he pushes them back and then robin does a weird little roll thing for some reason before he punches a guy and you're just like oh my god this is exactly like batman 66 it's just these guys don't know they're being funny 
because it wasn't funny yet at the time. And, like, every episode ends with, like, they're, like, Batman. Like, there's literally an episode where Batman's in a cabin, and it blows up. And then the next episode starts with him, like, walking away, going, thank goodness there was a cellar. If that hadn't been there, we'd have been destroyed. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's... Like... It's it's too bad that Adam West was too young to play the role in 1949 because he would have been ideal for this. So it's super fun to watch on that level and just because the costumes are ridiculous and stuff like that. Oh, my God. That Batman mask is night nightmarish. It looks like something <laughs> out of like a demented kids show crossed with like a racist uh, uh what were they called? The bald knobbers from fucking Tennessee. Have you ever seen those pictures? Horrifying. Uh, I don't know who those guys are. But my mind was always it was like the kid at school whose mom tried to make him a Batman mask. And like she, like, you know, she just did her best stuff in the like, little pointy ears with cotton balls, but they don't quite stand up straight the way they would if you were buying a real mask and stuff like that. So it's something else. And like he clearly has the actor has zero control over his cape so like when he runs it's just sometimes it's like right on the front of him sometimes it's just flapping around and you're just like I, I guess like he doesn't know what he's doing the other thing that's interesting about it is it reminds me like it literally is them trying to make a comic book on screen so there are like scenes where like a guy is sitting there and another guy's standing there and they just it, it could literally be word bubbles. They just say the information that you need and then it just cuts to the next thing. And it's that again. So it almost is like they were using the direct like I don't know if this was lifted straight from an actual comic storyline or not, but it looks like they're at least trying to make it have that feeling and that appearance of just directly translating a comic onto screen and I find that very interesting considering how early this happened so I don't know I'd, I'd check it out if you're a fan of that sort of thing it's like the episodes are like some of them are only like 15 minutes long I think the longest one is like 25 so it's not hard to get through but uh, you have to pull it off the shelf sometime yeah it is literally like the only thing i've watched this week so i'm trying to talk about it more but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like that's it the only other thing i've done this week is i have um posted about our new episode to the instagram page or sorry i posted that i was which, which post is it let me double check this so that everyone can check this out later um yeah no it is it's the post of last week's episode and there are now 20 comments on it and they're all from the same guy and they're in some other language so I'm a little worried that we've inspired this guy to write a manifesto and that we'll be seeing him on the news later <laughs> so from, if anybody uh, wants to uh, is he from uh, Kyrgyz Dan I, no I think he's writing in I don't know maybe it's Spanish or Portuguese something to that effect and uh, like I don't know it's scaring me a little bit so if anybody could go to that and uh, figure out what language that is and then tell me what he's saying <laughs> every now and again there is like references to the Tilly family um, so he's clearly is talking about the movies somewhere along the way <laughs> but I don't know this is fucking fantastic if that, <laughs> so help me god if that is somebody from Kyrgyzstan 
<laughs> I, I, I will fucking burst with joy. His name is Emmanuel. Well, I shouldn't say his name, I guess, right? His first name is Emmanuel. Um, so I don't think that sounds Kyrgyzstani to me, but I also don't know if Kyrgyzstani is the proper way to reference people from Kyrgyzstan. No, it's, it's, it's not. I assume it's not. They're um, the, it's it's like, a sh- it's really short. It's like they're the, the Kurds. Not, not the Kurds, but the, I can't, I, I'll never be able to pronounce it right. Interesting. All right. But if anybody wants to go and read what this guy is saying and translate it and send it to us. Time to pull up Google Translate. Yeah, except Instagram's stupid. It doesn't really let you copy that much. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and type all this in because it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, well, this seems like a lot of a lot of work. But I will be definitely the next mass shooting. I will be watching to see if it's this guy because I'm a little nervous about him. <laughs> Um, but other than that I haven't done anything of note (laughs) so Uh, what about you uh, Brian have you watched anything Uh, I actually have Um, after I minimize Noah's message from the chat room on Facebook Um, so I don't know why I did this but uh, Vinegar Syndrome, who is a uh, distributor that I greatly enjoy, who restores old movies and uh, releases them for the masses to buy. They have and even a, uh, better, they have a fondness for shit movies, which I really love. They do. They released uh, The Uninvited, that one with the cat that gets on the boat. Yeah. Uh, that has a monster cat living inside of it. <laughs> I remember that movie. That movie made me happy. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the, some of the top tier stuff that they uh, they release. Um, but they had they have like a they have a really big Black Friday sale every year, and they also have a big halfway to Black Friday sale every year. Um, and they just put out a box set of the Amityville movies parts. Four through eight. And for some reason, my brain was like, you know, you got the first three. You should just get the last four. And then you got all of the ones that, you know, are technically in canon. And I was like, uh, well, brain, I, don't, I don't even I don't even like where this is headed. And I was like, brain, I don't know if that's a good idea. And it, it was like, just do it. So I did. So I watched Amityville 4, which is... Amityville, the evil escapes. And this begins the part of the series where it's not about the house anymore. It's about items from the house that get distributed throughout the world and then haunt people. Um, so this one was about a lamp that was taken from the house. And it's a, one of the ugliest lamps you're ever going to see. And uh, gets mailed off to this uh, this old lady buys it for her sister because it looks so terrible. She's like, oh, this is hideous. It's perfect. I'm going to send it to my sister. So she sends it to her sister across the country. Turns out uh, that lady's daughter and kids, and the daughter is played by Patty Duke, uh, is having to move back in with her because apparently in the 90s, 
uh, or not 90s, like in the late 80s, like 88, I think. 89. Uh, apparently, if your husband dies, uh, somehow you're never going to be able to to afford to, you know, live properly. So you have to go back and live with your parents, even if you had kids. So she moves back in with her mom, and she's going to start going to school or something to get her teaching degree. Some, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, and so the littlest daughter, who kind of looks like the girl from Poltergeist, but it's definitely not because she's not nearly as good of an actress, uh, begins to talk to her dad through this awkward lamp. And then, of course, weird shit starts happening around the house. Uh, the movie's actually not terrible. I'm not saying it's good. Number one, it was a made-for-TV movie that was part four of the Amityville series. But they at least were smart enough to film some extra gore scenes to put in on the home video release. So there is at least, like, a kid gets his hand, like, destroyed in a garbage disposal. And that scene's actually pretty nice. good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie is, yeah, it's not great. I'm not, I'm not even saying I recommend it, but I mean, I don't think it's out of the first four. I don't think it's the worst one. I mean, people can put that on a poster if they want. Amityville four out of the first four. It's not the worst one. I like how you're authorizing him to use your quote. Yeah, Totally. I'm just saying, if you read that, you'd just be like, uh, yeah, all right. I think we can all agree that somehow two is the best. Uh, maybe. I'd have to rewatch them. I haven't watched them in a long time. Uh, we do have another theme month all set up with the Amityville movies, so. Yeah. Maybe that'll happen sooner rather than later. I don't know. I've, I've been staring at that theme month on our list for a while going, oh, what were we thinking? <laughs> well, the other half of the theme seems doable. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so that's the first one. I haven't watched the other three yet, but they're going to be coming up probably in the next couple months or so as I make my way through the the last four of the Amityville movies. I know one of them involves a mirror that comes from the house. One involves a clock and one involves a dollhouse. So. Yeah. All, all very reassuring statements. You <laughs> <made there. laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, and then other thing I watched. So I've been wanting to see the girl, who, the girl, girl in the spider's web whatever the girl with the dragon tattoo the the american sequel they did that skips the first couple books and goes right to the the girl with the ham sandwich yeah exactly uh goes to one of the newer books that they've written since the author died to keep that money train it going um but i hadn't seen the david fincher one which I guess this is technically sort of a sequel to, but my guess is they're just kind of kind of not say a whole lot about it. But I don't know. We'll see. But so to catch up, I rewatched the David Fincher version of the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, which I mean, 
I don't know. It's stylish. It looks pretty. Really long. Um, but probably I would recommend just watching the original. Because those always seemed way better anyway. But, um, so yeah, they have, I don't know. The, the biggest problem with those stories is the complete absence of likable characters. Sure. Yeah. Like, they're all bad. Even even the main character who you're supposed to be rooting for, you're like, yeah, no, but she's kind of a douche, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So yeah, I don't know. It was worth uh, it was worth watching, I guess. But um, just, that, that riveting endorsement. Well, it just uh, it, well. Wait, uh, are, are they allowed to use that on their poster? You haven't been clear about that yet. <laughs> sure. Well, it just falls into the uh, unnecessary remake category, which happens a lot. So. But how are you supposed to watch a movie when the people talk with accents? Yeah, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. So instead, let's get Daniel Craig to do <laughs> to do his his accent in the movie. Make it a little bit more tolerable, I guess. I mean, like, the movie's fine. It's just... Just watch the, the one it's based off of. I feel like there's more emotion coming out of that movie. And I like David Fincher, so I was kind of excited to see what he was going to do with it. But, like, it's just okay, I guess. That's actually kind of how I felt about it back when I saw it, but that was when it was new, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I am I want to see The Girl in the Spider's Web just to see how that is. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll watch that this weekend. But um, And I guess the last thing I watched, uh, Joe Bob, his... Uh, Season finale was this week, uh, or last week, but oh, this movie wasn't even in that. Like I watched the one from the week before. It doesn't matter. He showed, uh, the movie scare package, which is kind of an indie horror movie that I'd kind of been wanting to see. Uh, it's an anthology movie, uh, with sort of the wraparound takes place at a video store. And then each, uh, each story is kind of a, a movie that someone has rented or is talking about. And yeah, like it's okay. It's not super great. Uh, the wraparound story goes crazy when everybody is fucking kidnapped and (laughs) ends up in some weird facility about testing, uh, how slashers actually kill people or something. I don't know. It's not important. But at the end of the movie, uh, Joe Bob Briggs shows up to save the day as himself. So that was kind of fun. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's all right. That's, for, that's too that's too meta for me. I can't do Joe Bob <laughs> doing a Joe Bob movie. The funny thing is he didn't even say it. He didn't even say he was going to be in it. But it was funny because right after his first scene, they cut back to him. And he he's just like in the middle of taking a drink. And he yells at the director. The director's name is Austin. He's like, Austin, how dare you? This actor was giving the performance of a lifetime, and you just ruined it by cutting back to us. Get back to the movie. And they just jump right back to the movie. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's not great. I mean, if you like sort of indie horror stuff, 
It's definitely more of an indie comedy, obviously, if Joe Bob is showing up to save the day as himself. But I think there's some uh, fun stuff and fun references in it. So uh, out of nowhere, Dustin Rhodes shows up as a slasher at the end. I was just like, what the fuck is up with that? But um, yeah, again, riveting endorsement. It's okay. You can put that on your poster. <laughs> I like how you think they're all just listening to our podcast for poster ideas. Like, yes. Uh, all I'm imagining is one of these posters that's like a teeny tiny picture and then a quotation mark and then just him hawing down the entire poster quotation mark directed by. <laughs> that's it. That's the whole poster. It's just Brian going, well, mm, so, uh, well, it's not. Um, <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Noah, why don't you tell us what we're doing next week? We're finally not doing body snatcher movies as far as I know. Shar was beginning to question how long we were going to do it. It could be like a month, four weeks. <laughs> it's not, I like how it's a, we keep saying it's a month, but technically not a month. It was just four random weeks. <laughs> uh, so, because it is available on Amazon Prime in the U.S., uh, and I felt like getting back to some sword and sandal stuff, we are going to do Hercules in the Haunted World and Arena. Oh, all right. Jesus, I hope those are available here. <laughs> if not, Doug's gonna be like, I can't find them. I can't. Put, I can't. I can't watch them. I'm. I'm. I would be shocked if Hercules in the Haunted World was not available, but the arena maybe. Uh, and that is a Lou Ferrigno one, isn't it? Hercules in the Haunted World. Yeah. Um, I said enough. It was it, part of his. Hercules it, actually, that one might not be. 61 I'm going to assume it's not nope it's it's Ridge Park yeah yeah Ridge Park Christopher it's Lee Chris- is the bad guy I'm assuming yeah yeah. I was going to say it's got Christopher Lee in it see so you got that to look forward to Doug at least Christopher Lee's in it that's good it's one so- it's one that's been on my list to watch for a really long time oh and directed by Mario Bava oh really yeah. Now I'm excited. <laughs> it's this one was brought to my attention literally by somebody's troll post where they were bitching. Apparently they did some kind of a midnight screening of this movie with, you know, a horror host and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this dude did this twenty paragraph rant throwing a fit that there were hipsters there watching it and that they were like laughing at the movie. You know, laughing at the cheesy parts, obviously. And he's like, so fucking disrespectful. And they're ruining cinema. And I was like, you can't ruin cinema. Shut the fuck up. Shut shut the fuck up. Yeah, Hercules must journey into Hades itself to retrieve the magic stone that will free his love from the powers of darkness. Directed by Mario Bava. Christopher Lee is the bad guy. All right. Does it have alternate titles? Because I can't even find evidence that it exists. Yeah, just Hercules in the Haunted World. That's what I looked up on uh, IMDb. And the arena also has uh, delightful things to add. Those those things being attached to Pam Greer. 
So it's the 74 film, The Arena? Correct. Right. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that one, too, so... This is actually a win for me. Sword, sword and Sandal movies. Can't go wrong. Well, we'll let you know next week whether you can go wrong or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't go wrong, because... With Sword and Sandal movies, it's one of two things. Either it's a good Sword and Sandal movie, and then it's delightful, and I love it. Or it's a bad Sword and Sandal movie, and then it's delightful, and I love it. (laughs) For you guys, you you can suffer through either way. (laughs) I find your attitude towards bad movies fascinating. I know it's terrible. I like it anyway. But no. It, a... The only thing that matters is is the, is the film enjoyable to watch. At the end of the day, it's the only thing that matters. Because no matter how well made, no matter how technically good a film is, if you don't have fun watching it, then you just wasted your time. You know, he doesn't. No, he doesn't like all bad films. Obviously, the invasion was fucking terrible. Right. Well, there's a difference. There's a difference between a, a a fucking like boring shitty movie and a a movie that is bad in that strange whimsical way that that is fucking great. Like Troll 2. Troll 2 is the perfect example of one of those movies. It's a bad movie. It's a bad movie in every way that it could be a bad movie, but it's got this delightful whimsy to it that makes it just amazing to watch. I don't know if that yeah. agrees with you. <laughs> I do not. Whimsy. All right. I mean, you partially <laughs> understand it. I do? Yes, because there are bad movies that you also like. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know, Doug. I'm sitting here wearing my Chopping Mall t-shirt. You may have a point. Chopping Mall is a piece of cinematic genius, and you all know it. <laughs> but is it an intentional piece of cinematic genius? Uh, yes, I firmly believe that the filmmakers knew that they were making a cheesy film and that they were successful in doing that. We've had this discussion. I'm sure we've talked about Chopping Mall a thousand times in this podcast. I don't think so. so. Maybe we should do Chopping Mall again next month. Okay. <laughs> we do Chopping Mall a month. We find four movies to tie it up, to tie it to and t- look at it from different perspectives each week. We get uh, Jim Wernarski on the show and be like, why are you such a terrible person in real life? No. I think there should just be a new segment of the show where Doug watches Chopping Mall every week. And tells us if his opinions of Chopping Mall have changed. My opinions of Chopping Mall are not going to change. I just want to know. I think I think at a certain point, you will either, like, go a beautiful mind on it, and it will just <laughs> drive you into some kind of schism, and your mind will break. <laughs> or you'll achieve enlightenment. It's one, it's one or the other. I just, I'm sure it's the Enlightenment. I'm reasonably confident. <laughs> he comes, he'll come running and screaming, "You guys!" <laughs> and, and, and one hour, 
11 minutes and 42 seconds is the answer to everything. The answer to everything is right at the beginning of the movie. You put the stuff you want to come to life in a building, you strike the building with lightning, problem solved. If we could just all learn to do that in real life, everything would go a lot smoother. I mean, really, we could just watch... uh... Chopping Mall in Short Circuit, the two most perfect robot movies ever made. Oh, shit. Why didn't you pick that for next week? <laughs> I don't know if there are other ones. Maybe Hardware's in there somewhere. I mean, I don't know. Are there other ones where robots get struck by lightning? I don't know. I just, I, I also like the idea of teaming up a horror robot with a kids movie robot <laughs> so well, short, kinda... short, short circuit and uh chopping mall and then uh iron giant and hardware <laughs> <laughs> i haven't actually seen iron giant so i don't know if it qualifies as a horror movie or not short circuit two and death machine just wait someday we're finally going to get around to uh, kurt russell month and my dreams of doing Escape from New York and Captain Ron just because he wears eye patches in both of them <laughs> is going to happen. Holy shit, why isn't that on the list? It is on the list. We just haven't sent it in yet because I think we haven't filled out some of the other other uh, movies for Kurt Russell wow. month. Kurt Russell wears an eye patch week. I love it. <laughs> I, feel like I wonder if Captain Ron holds up. Now I'm super curious. <laughs> I feel like Captain I, Ron's like the prequel. Like, this is what he was like, and then the world went to shit, and he became Snake Plissken. I'm I'm a little worried, because I feel like Captain Ron might be one of those movies that you're going to rewatch it, and you're going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> it's possible. Oh no. oh, no, 80s. Why? Why, 80s? There's most definitely a scene in that movie that I remember where Captain Ron is like going on and on about how hot the wife is and it turns out he's talking about the teenage daughter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Maybe there's a line of dialogue to point out that she already turned 18. That's supposed to go in the other way with it like they usually do in the movies we talk about. I mean, it's like, what's what's the other one? Overboard? Is that the name of it? Where... Yeah. Or he basically takes Goldie Hawn, who is a brain-damaged woman, and turns her into a house slave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think at the end, she falls in love with him, making everything okay. Yeah, so it's all right. Yeah. There's nothing quite like falling in love with the guy who pretty much raped you and turned you into a slave. No, he doesn't rape her. There's no... Uh... There's no physical intimacy. Is there no sex? There is eventually, but not till after she falls in love with him. So it's okay. Does she have her memory back? No. (laughs) (laughs) Until she gets her memory back, I don't think it's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, until she has her memory back, it's still false pretenses. (laughs) This is not good. Uh, Retroactively, it's okay. Boycott, boycott overboard. <laughs> what about the remake where she she does it to a foreign guy? So it's okay. I think we need to boycott the remake as well. I'm just putting. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead. Let's just go ahead and say most '80s comedies <laughs> are uh, are pure poison, and they, no, they might no. have funny bits in them, 
but they are. Oh, no, no. You're you're obviously forgetting about Zapped, where Scott Bayo gets telepathy powers and uses it to raise girls' skirts in high school. That's that's not problematic at all. Yeah, yeah. So Zapped that goes on the pile. Uh, let's just for let's that just that's not good no more. <laughs> let's put that over there. Oh, the, worst thing, some, uh, the worst thing is there's reasonable room for I suppose yeah. like, like I said there's a whole bunch that it's like oh no like movies like meatballs and stuff that used to be so funny now you rewatch them and you're like this is highly problematic <laughs> come on the fat guy eats a bunch of hot dogs it's fine yeah. <laughs> it's all bad <laughs> Oh, Noah's not going to do the show anymore because everything from the 80s is problematic. Yeah. Well, here's 80s comedies in particular had a very bad habit of not only putting the problematic stuff in the movie, but putting the problematic stuff in the movie and then going, look at how cool this is. <laughs> Which, that's not good. At least in the horror movies, they're like, here's a problematic thing. It would killed that motherfucker <laughs> you, you know what i mean like that's they're like he's a rapist and now he's in a wood chipper uh, i think you should start ending everything with we killed that motherfucker <laughs> we killed that motherfucker it's gonna go for great at work on monday oh <laughs> uh, you, you guys know what you, you guys know what sucks for my job if the government were to pass some kind of a bill uh, giving people a whole bunch of loans and random monies and then firing the dude who was supposed to be in charge of oversight so that fraud is absolutely rampant. Mm-hmm. That would suck. It sounds problematic. But they, they would do something like that. Oh, my fucking God, guys. I, I can't. I can't even begin to explain how bad and not just like I'm not saying like my bank, but just in general, it's everywhere. And then even if your bank's not being hit with it, you have to invest so much time looking for it because other banks are being hit with it. It's bonkers. I think we should all move to Nigeria and become telephone scammers because that oh. is profitable business like i'm a prince of nigeria but i need money to come to america but i'll give you like 50 billion dollars right i am a a recently widowed uh retired army father of two living in the northern horn of africa and i love you but I want to come visit you. Send me a thousand dollars. What's weird is that those scams work enough that they keep trying them. They work so good. I don't get it. Like it's, it's some some scams are so incredibly complex and like elegant that you're like, oh, that guy got you good. But he put in a whole lot of effort. And other ones like he misspelled everything in this document. You you read it. It's like I am lawyer. You be sued. <laughs> Dude, we had a, a scam that was being run here in Canada. It was probably Americans running and just taking advantage of Canadians. But they were literally get, claiming that, like contacting people, claiming them they owed taxes to the government and getting them to pay in iTunes gift cards. And there were people who fell for that. 
and went out and bought iTunes gift cards and mailed them to this address. Right. <laughs> so that these people, because they thought they were paying their tax bill that way. And I'm like, how can you possibly believe that? How is that even remotely feasible to you? But I mean, here's here's a true story. We had one of those basically happen and the lady finally got stopped and convinced it was fraud. And what she said, it, you know, because she came in, she was like, I need to withdraw X dollars. Right. And they were like, mm, that that doesn't sound right. Would you rather have, you know, a cashier's check or whatever? That's too much cash. Well, no, I need it in cash. Well, why? Well, I have to pay a guy and he only wants cash. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and then finally you talk to her and she keeps telling you these lies. And finally, whatever you break through that it's fraud, they're like, well, the guy on the phone told me that if I told you what it was actually for, that you would tell me it was fraud and wouldn't give me the money. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's fraud. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's how you know it's fraud. He even told you that that we would know it was fraud and and you did it anyway because you are you are not good with the thinkings <laughs> that story is real real common <laughs> good times yeah so back to 80s comedies. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie Hard Bodies and how it's problematic. Oh, I have it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it yet. You have Hard Bodies on Blu-ray? Yep. There was a box set of 80s movies for super cheap, and they were all movies that I wanted to watch, including Hard Bodies, because I remember it being on... When I was younger, but I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, that's because Hard Bodies is a straight-up jerk-off movie. <laughs> totally, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, 100, 100%. Let me, let me pull up. What was the other uh, movies in the box set? Jeez, are they all the bikini movies? Is it like fucking Bikini Car Wash <laughs> and Bikini Hotel? Because that's the, that's the type of quality I would expect are, in that those box. Are problematic. Like, you're not going to say those are problematic, are you? Well, I don't see here's those get into this weird gray area because I think once something becomes straight up pornography, that it's justified because it is pornography. Okay. <laughs> because no, no matter the level of offensiveness of a piece of pornography, that's like its thing. <laughs> you, you know, somebody somebody is into that specific degradation of the human experience. And therefore, that is their pornography. Well, what if somebody's thing is cheesy 80s comedies that have uh, inappropriate rape culture in them? It, well, once again, it depends. Was it intended as pornography? <laughs> There's a difference. Yes, yes, I think that that is a place where intent is very important. If you okay. intended to make a jerk-off movie, that's fine. You do whatever the weird fuck you want for your jerk-off movie. Now, if you are if you are attempting to make a movie with a broader audience and throwing in all of your weird jerk-off fantasies, now you're being weird. Being weird and upsetting. You don't need to share those things with everyone else. That includes you, Lloyd Kaufman. 
<laughs> Calling out Lloyd Coffin and not Tarantino's foot fetish. That's where you want to go with this. Uh, I don't like talking about Tarantino's foot fetish because it's fucking gross. <laughs> like every time somebody mentions it, all all that is in my head is that girl's foot in his mouth, in from dusk till dawn, and oh, I so, so I lose my I lose my ability to have a boner for a year. <laughs> like God damn it! Like it destroys <sighs> it destroys my ability to functionally think about sex because I have that burned into my retinas. But it's Selma Hayek, at least. Yeah, Selma Hayek is super hot. But you know what's still gross? Selma Hayek's feet. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and and Quentin Tarantino. And Quentin Tarantino with Selma Hayek's foot in his fucking mouth. <laughs> it's just too bad that she wasn't wearing the nurse's uniform because then it would have gone full circle. This would actually be a relevant conversation to her topic. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you know what I was the right age to be super excited about that scene too where she comes out dancing and she's wearing the thong and stuff and you're like ooh yeah hot lady and then it's like foot and mouth no <laughs> why why would people do that we're gonna get emails from our listeners that have foot fetishes all upset no listen to each their own anybody can do anything they want to do as long as I don't have to see a foot in somebody's mouth. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. That is, It's a very specific line. Don't you put a fucking foot in your mouth where I can see it. <laughs> don't you do it. Don't you put that foot in your mouth. Sweet God. Oh. It's nasty. It is the nastiest. I wish we were popular enough that you would get protested and you'd wake up in the morning and there'd be a bunch of people out there with their foot in each other's mouths just (laughs) chanting and holding up signs for you judging them. Well, I'm saying don't you don't yuck other people's yums, as they say, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad that they do that. I'm saying it's bad if I see that. I'm just saying that, you know, if you go back 20, 25 years, that's what people were saying about homosexuals is that they should just keep it at home, right? And now you're doing it to the foot fetish people. So You you are comparing two unfair things. <laughs> <laughs> Feet are dirty. You have yeah. funguses and stuff in your toenails. Not if you yeah. take a small amount of effort to keep yourself clean you generally don't have that many funguses yeah but you stand on them what do you get it doesn't matter if you wash them where are you going to step like not not every room is sterile the the floor is disgusting the second you put your foot down you've got nasty floor stuff on the bottom of them toeses and then quentin tarantino's slurping it up because he is a he's a freaky dude We've been talking about this for way too fucking long. Oh. All right, I, I finally found the box set that I bought. <laughs> okay. I've been looking this whole time. It took me forever to find Toe, it. Toe Suckers Twelve. It's called Eighties Overdrive Six Movie Collection, and it has The Legend of Billy Jean with uh, Helen Slater and Christian Slater. So okay. it might be a contender for Slater September this year. I was trying to find uh, a way to add that to the list not too long ago. 
Uh, Little Nikita, which I've never even heard of before I bought this. Looks like a high school kid is a spy type of movie. Uh, it's got Private Resort, that movie that Johnny Depp, I'm sure, wished had never been released because it's looks like a hijinks at a summer resort starring Johnny oh, Depp type movie. Yeah. See, that's the one that it like tries to be a jerk off movie, but if I remember right, like there isn't much in it. It always like gets to the point where something's going to happen, and then it's like, nope, and it cuts away. <laughs> uh, perfect. With uh, John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis about aerobics for some reason. That needed the movie. Uh, You want to talk about something that's almost as bad as uh, foot foot and mouth problems. That weird (laughs) 80s aerobics fetish thing that was (laughs) pervasive. Uh, And then it has the movie Spring Break, which was definitely uh, maybe like a lower tier jerk off movie. Like it wasn't quite there, but. It was just a teen sex comedy from the 80s. And then, uh, yeah, Hard Bodies. Such a weird collection. That's a fun collection, though. I like that. Yeah. I'd, I think I'd like to buy that box set and never watch any of the movies. I'm a little concerned that I think Hard Bodies might be the second best movie in that box set. Oh. Uh, and it's from Mill Creek, if that tells you anything about probably about how cheap it was when I bought it, because I don't see a price listed here. So. I mean, I also bought the Girls, Guns, and G-Strings Andy Sedaris collection. I have not watched a single one. But Fuck I got that, yeah. I, I got that for eight bucks, so. <laughs> uh, oh, I got this one for this 80s box set I got for $10.89. Okay. <laughs> On Blu-ray, so. Does the does the Andy Sidaris box set does it have all of his interviews and stuff? I don't think so. I think this is uh, the DVD version. Mm. So it's got twelve films. He used to he used to give some of the best fucking interviews because people would come in and they'd be like, "You know these movies aren't good, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm making." shitty titty movies that you watch at two o'clock in the morning and they're like yeah but they're morally bankrupt and he'll be like yeah they're shitty titty movies that you watch at two o'clock what the fuck are you people not getting and they're like yeah but don't you feel sleazy bringing in all these naked women no they're titty movies (laughs) uh the only thing it says is easter egg introductions from andy sadaris for all the movies nice I just love the fact that he knew exactly what he was making. He's like, this is a movie that will play on Cinemax in the middle of the night. The end. Nowhere else. It will play nowhere else ever. Yeah, so it has The Dallas Connection, Day of the Warrior, Do or Die, Enemy Gold, Fit to Kill, uh, Guns, starring Eric Estrada, uh, Hard Hunted, and then, of course, Noah's favorite, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Fuck yeah. Uh, Malibu Express. Picasso Trigger. And then... I've seen Picasso Trigger, but I can't remember anything about it. Then Savage Beach, and then Return to Savage Beach. Ooh. <laughs> double feature, Savage Beach, Return to Savage Beach. It's going on the list. <laughs> uh, sorry, Doug. You're going to have to have another Andy Sedaris episode. 
We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to start using up my sick days. <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare you make me look at this bad acting playboy model? <laughs> but she takes the top off in a hot tub. Yeah, but they invented the internet so we don't have to watch whole movies to see that anymore. <laughs> that is true. Listen, the the fucked up thing is that it it might always seem whenever I'm talking about these movies that I'm in it for the boobs, but the truth is I'm in it for like the random cop chick wearing the nunchucks before she gets taken. <laughs> Sometimes I don't look at the boobs at all. I'm just distracted. <laughs> By just this fucked up universe that Andy Sidaris created. Nothing makes nothing makes sense. None of these government organizations exist. Why is why is there a rocket launcher? Nobody knows. Radioactive stank? Nobody knows. It's Andy Sidaris world. Look at this nipple and now watch that snake explode. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.